Section 7 of the San Francisco Earthquake and Fire, as reported in the newspapers of that city. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Items from the San Francisco Call of Sunday, April 22, 1906. Swirl of fire ends, and hope runs high. People's courage grows strong as the flames subside. The fire has been stopped. Relief work is progressing favorably. The financial outlook is bright. Work of clearing the city has begun. The people are courageous and cheerful. Those who have not reached homes of relatives or friends will be succored well. The situation is one of hope. Great fire stopped at city front. Conflagration that has raged three days is, at last, at an end. Saving of wharves and ferry building accomplished by fireboats. Fire department loses houses and apparatus and many of its hose lines. Shortly after dawn yesterday morning, the conflagration that brought suffering and ruin to San Francisco reached its limits and concluded its work of destruction. After raging for a period of three days, fought desperately in face of its tremendous advantage, it subsided when it had reduced hundreds of blocks of valuable property to ashes and rendered over 250,000 people homeless. Dynamite accomplished the work of staying the flames on Van Ness Avenue and in the Mission District. The waterfront checked the hurricane of fire on the north and east, while Channel Street served to good advantage on the south. The area of ashes and desolation runs south of Market Street from the waterfront along Channel as far west as 22nd between Bryant and Dolores Streets. On the north of Market, it extends beyond Van Ness Avenue as far as Laguna Street in Hayes Valley, but it continues along the line of Van Ness Avenue north of Golden Gate Avenue, except for a distance of five blocks where it reached Franklin Street. It is bounded on the north and east by the waters of the bay. In this vast territory, but few buildings remain. Several surmount the summits of Russian and Telegraph Hills, and scattered about in the heart of the ruins are a few more. The appraiser's building stands on Washington Street, though the fire was all around it, and a short distance up the building known as the Washington Block withstood the fire under the same conditions. On Lower Howard Street, a large structure was untouched, and along the waterfront several warehouses and factories resisted the fury of the destroyer. LAST STAND OF FIREMEN The last stand taken by the firemen was on the waterfront and ferry building, which latter seemed doomed late Friday night. Fire and tugboats were utilized in keeping down the blaze, which swept around Telegraph Hill from the wharves that extend from Lombard Street. The numerous streams of salt water thrown upon the blazing structures subdued the fire and saved the sheds. Then the great blaze had exhausted itself, and the firefighters withdrew. The fire had been stopped at Van Ness Avenue late Friday night. Just east of Telegraph Hill, a cluster of buildings, including the Asti Colony's wine warehouse, the plant of the American Canning Company, and the Merchant's Ice and Cold Storage Company, escaped destruction. 
the branch freight office of the Southern Pacific Company was also spared, and a number of freight cars on the Belt Railroad were moved from time to time and saved. The contents of these cars were taken by the government and hauled to the food headquarters. About one hundred cars were burned on side tracks and adjoining freight landings at the foot of Broadway. Removing the Debris Work of clearing away the debris from the principal thoroughfares used for transportation between the ferry and the inhabited districts was begun yesterday. The military authorities pressed men into service, and heaps of brick and other wreckage were removed from the center of the streets. Trolley and other wires were taken down by the Board of Electricity, and the work of tearing down dangerous walls will begin very soon. The government will undertake the task of removing the bulk of the wreckage. This will occupy a great deal of time and will give employment to a large number of men. The street repairs will be attended to by the Board of Public Works and the street railway companies. Many of the thoroughfares are in extremely bad condition due to the earthquake, and in the burned district the street railways will all have to be rebuilt. Tracks are warped and twisted and cable slots closed. The rolling stock of a number of lines, including the Powell, Jackson, Sacramento, California, O'Farrell, Sutter, and Union Street lines, together with their powerhouses, were completely destroyed. Department Crippled After the fight to save the ferry building and the wharves had been won by the firefighters, Chief Shaughnessy found the department in a dilapidated condition. Twelve engine houses had been destroyed, and the central fire alarm station was out of existence. There were several engines and hose-wagons lost along the two sections of the seawall when the fire swept from North Beach. The flames approached so rapidly that the firemen were obliged to abandon the machines and run for their lives to places of safety. A large number of horses were killed, and some of the engines are badly scorched and put out of commission. As soon as the telephone service is restored in the city, it will be utilized for the sending in of alarms, until the Board of Electricity can secure a new central station. The department is also sadly in need of hose. Thousands of feet were destroyed during the conflagration, and but little is available for use. Yesterday, Chief Shaughnessy telegraphed to Los Angeles, Sacramento, and Oakland for chemicals with which to charge the tanks of the chemical engines. Small fires still blaze among the ruins, and the department, in the absence of a water supply, must rely on its chemical engines to extinguish them. The population of the last district to be destroyed spread in many directions. Most of the poorer classes are destitute and helpless, but little of their personal effects were saved. Fisherman's Wharf was not damaged, and Meg's Wharf survived. Both of these are crowded with humanity. Many people have taken refuge along the waterfront, but the bulk of people from this district is quartered on vacant lots and at Fort Mason. Place of Refuge There are two public squares in the district, Washington and Portsmouth, the latter opposite the Hall of Justice. It is in charge of Detective Sergeant Charles Taylor and contains many of the police department records. With the assistance of many brave policemen and citizens who have remained with him since Wednesday afternoon, Taylor has established a model place of refuge, buried the dead, while fire raged around, 
and fed thousands who were victims of the disaster. The Chinese and Japanese population for the most part have decamped. The few that loiter in the vicinity of their homes are fed in the square, but the majority stampeded to Oakland and huddled into the heathen quarter of that city. They are cared for by their fellow countrymen and by the various relief committees. A police officer, a sailor, and John C. Ennis of Company E, 1st Artillery, prevented the fire from crossing Van Ness Avenue at California Street at the risk of their lives. They extinguished a small blaze on the corner of the building, and would have saved the structure had not the fire come from the south. Men shoot fiends who try to rob. Three are killed by the soldiers guarding the sub-treasury. Son of T.P. Reardon is shot to death near his home. University of California student receives a bullet wound in thigh. Three men were shot and killed by the guards of the sub-treasury on Commercial Street last night. The men were attempting to tear away the bricks near one corner of the building. When ordered to throw up their hands and give an account of themselves, they attempted to escape. The guards at once shot them down. The troops guarding the Hibernia Bank building at Jones and McAllister Streets found four men attempting to break into the building. The soldiers captured them without firing and turned the men over to their superior officers. They will be court-martialed. Looters broke into Schoenfeld's grocery on Octavia Street near Geary yesterday afternoon. Women tried to get some of the provisions, but men, after liquor, trampled them down. Sergeant Giovanesi and a detail of ten men from Company B, 6th Regiment, were passing the place on their way to Fontana's warehouse, and some of the women appealed to the sergeant. He immediately ordered his men to clear the place. J. B. Reardon, son of the real estate agent who lives in the neighborhood, grabbed the gun of one of the guardsmen and called him a tin soldier. Reardon was shot at once. He died in a carriage containing Father York and a party, into which he was lifted. An unknown workman employed at the Gerson Tanning Company on Webster Street near McAllister was on his way home yesterday morning and was ordered to halt by a sentry. The workman explained that his wife was dying and he wanted to see her and tried to pass. The sentry shot at him, but missed, and the workman ran back to the tannery. Shanto Komata, a Japanese, was shot early yesterday morning in Laurel Hill Cemetery by one of the University of California cadets. He was holding up some of his fellow countrymen and relieving them of their valuables. Wong Hung Chang was killed on McAllister Street, between Gough and Octavia Streets, yesterday morning, by a guard while he was going through a trunk. Wing Lee, a companion of the robber, stood at a distance from the scene of the crime. He was placed under arrest. Fred Kohler, a 23-year-old youth, murdered an aged man named Pringle on Miggs Wharf about 6.30 o'clock last night. Conflicting stories are told about the causes which led to the killing. Police Corporal William Ferguson captured Kohler and charged him with murder at the Park Police Station. Kohler says Pringle objected to his rowing away a skiff from the wharf. The lad and his brother jumped into the boat and were rowing out into the stream when, Kohler alleges, Pringle began to stone him. He then killed him with a shotgun. The row appears to have been over the ownership of the boat.
I. P. Alton, a university cadet, was shot by a regular yesterday, while Alton was assisting to demolish a saloon in the section between Van Ness Avenue and Devizadero Street. Alton received a bullet in his thigh. He is at the Presidio Hospital. He is a sophomore, twenty-two years old, and his home is at Fowler. Some complaint has been made that the University of California cadets have been exceeding their authority. Chief of Police Deenan has been informed that they have been holding up special and regular police without the use of judgment. The Berkeley citizens have been trying to secure the services of the student guards for three days. General Funston seems reluctant to part with the collegians. At the corner of Greenwich Street and Van Ness Avenue late yesterday afternoon, a Slavonian who did not understand English was ordered by the military authorities to assist in chopping down some trees. Evidently misunderstanding the order, he started in an opposite direction, and the soldier, believing he was attempting to escape, shot him through the shoulder. He is not believed to be dangerously wounded. At 9.20 o'clock yesterday morning, Special Officers Fred Rowe and L. Jockers turned over to Policeman Charles E. Fennell at 4th and Market Streets, a man who gave the name of Ernest H. Blazer, 243 Tahama Street. They arrested him for looting Lacey's Saloon opposite the ruins of the Palace Hotel. Fennell searched him and found a loaded revolver, three gold watches, a diamond stud, and other articles in his pockets. He broke and ran away, and Fennell fired three shots at him. One of the bullets struck him in the left shoulder and brought him down. He was taken to the German hospital, where his wound was dressed. He was turned over by order of Chief of Police Deenan to the military authorities. The man's name is believed to be assumed. Two boys, about twelve years of age, were arrested in Jefferson Square by militiamen yesterday while counting gold. When searched, the youngsters were found to have seven hundred dollars in their possession. As they could give no satisfactory account of themselves, they were lodged in the guardhouse. For two nights past, a squad of police has been performing patrol duty on the bay. Two lieutenants and eight men aboard the tug Sea Rover prevented the departure of several vessels from the harbor last night, for the reason that they carried food. Among them were the barkentines Eureka and Barracuda, bound for Portland with supplies. All vessels stopped were compelled to drop anchor in the stream or to return to the dock, where the food was unloaded and turned over to the authorities. On Thursday a similar detail succeeded in saving for the unfortunate many tons of food that would otherwise have been carried to cities up and down the coast. Ravages of death are already felt in various places. Forty bodies taken from wreck of a building on Fifth Street. Here you are, old man. It's all I have, but you are welcome to it. With these words, a great big longshoreman, walking along East Street near the ferry yesterday, took from his shoulders a quilt, rolled soldier fashion, carefully unrolled it, and reverentially threw it over the body of a man that had been dragged from the ruins of a waterfront lodging-house early in the morning. There were three bodies lying side by side in the blackened embers. Scraps of cloth and newspapers enough to cover two had been found and placed over their blackened bodies. The third would have remained uncovered, 
but for the hardy giant whose great heart was touched by the awful sight, and who forgot his own comfort to show his respect for the dead. In the vicinity of the wreck of the Mission Police Station, and in the district patrolled by the Mission Policemen under Captain Anderson, the death roll has increased. Two unknown men died from exposure. They were immediately buried. Others are in a critical and desperate condition. Forty bodies were taken from the building at 119 Fifth Street yesterday by the Red Cross Service. The structure, which was a four-story wooden building containing three flats of ten rooms each, collapsed during the earthquake. At the time, several persons were taken alive from the upper stories, but it was thought that all the inmates had escaped. The ruins took fire shortly after, and although efforts were made to extinguish the flames, the entire building was consumed. The bodies of the unfortunates imprisoned within the ruins were incinerated, only the skulls and a few bones being left. It is known that Mrs. Henry Murray and A. J. McNear and wife lived in this building. They have not been heard from since the fire. The foregoing is typical of the great tragedy that occurred south of Market Street on the first day. A call reporter who saw the great fire that was to sweep that part of the city for the first two days start on Third Street soon after the earthquake and go roaring up to Hama Street. He saw in its path scores of frail houses go down as if made of cards. Hundreds of people must have been pinned beneath the debris and burned before they could be rescued. At the office of the Health Board, eleven burial permits were issued yesterday. A report was received that bodies were steadily being recovered from the ruins. Portsmouth and Washington squares are utilized as temporary burial places for victims of the catastrophe. The bodies will be transferred to consecrated ground when conditions are more settled. Sanitary precaution necessitates the interment of bodies as fast as they are found. The additions to the list of the dead and wounded at the Presidio Hospital up to noon yesterday are Dead, Jens Sorensen, McLean of Federal Hotel Injured Note, here follows a list of about forty names. End note. The list of those buried in Portsmouth Square, whose death resulted from injuries during the earthquake shock, are King 928 Mission Street, 14 Unidentified, Harry Chesborough, 7th and Minna Streets, N. Cornfield, 937 1⁄2 Folsom Street, Young Wan, Chinese, Clay Street, E. Norman, 409 Pacific Street, A. Webster, Woman, 14 William Street, John Day, Chinese, 235 Geary Street, William Vare or Ware, 260 Sherman Street, M. Murky, 423 Stevenson Street, Mother and Child 4 Years Old, 236 Turk Street, George Walker, Lewis Robinson, H. Hung. The injured in the square are Harry Brunner, 502 Bush Street, Bruises, J. J. Dugan, 402 Broadway, Burns, C.S. Robinson, 812 Kearney Street, Blood Poisoning. 
Coin of Mint for City. Golden Stores of the Government Unlocked to Meet Situation. United States Mint to Advance Millions to the Banks of Cities About the Bay. Money to be Abundant. Secretary of the Treasury Department comes to the aid of San Francisco. More than $5 million will be advanced immediately by Superintendent Frank A. Leach of the United States Mint to the San Francisco and Alameda County Banks, under instruction by Secretary Shaw of the Treasury Department. The gold in the Mint in this city amounts to more than $300 million. The $5 million more to be paid out now will go to the banks having deposits in New York and other eastern money centers. There will be abundant money at once, so said Superintendent Leach yesterday. Secretary Shaw is alive to the situation. He wired to me and asked for recommendations. He had anticipated the desirability of governmental assistance in view of the recent disasters. The result is that the government will aid. Some of the relief money provided by Congress by appropriation is also available on three different orders. Measures for the relief of the financial institutions of San Francisco will be discussed, and action will be taken at a meeting of the Bankers Association in San Francisco tomorrow at the home of Mrs. Eleanor Martin. The State Bankers Association will meet for the same purpose in Oakland next Tuesday. The place and exact time will be announced later. Telegrams to members of the association residing at interior points have been sent, giving notification of the meeting. The Bankers Association of Oakland has decided to defer action regarding the policy to be pursued by them until the results of the meetings of the San Francisco and the State Bankers Associations are known. The San Francisco Clearing House members will meet on Monday morning at the Chief Warfinger's office to discuss the situation. The State Banking Commission met yesterday in the Syndicate Bank building. The discussion of affairs did not result in the adoption of any definite plan. The Commission decided that banks of the state now closed as a result of the Governor's proclamation should remain closed until definite relief measures have been agreed upon. Bankers of San Francisco and Oakland consulted yesterday in reference to plans for resuming. One proposition was to organize a clearinghouse with headquarters in the Mint Building and to have business transacted in that way for the present. Superintendent Leach says that the Mint can supply accommodations if they are desired. Assistant United States Treasurer Jacobs has been instructed to make the Mint his headquarters for the present. An immense sum in total will come into San Francisco as relief money from many places in the United States in a few days, which will improve the situation financially. It was announced yesterday at a meeting of bankers of the city that they had found $100 million intact and that all the vaults were perfectly safe. One result of the discussion of relief measures among financiers has been the suggestion that Congress be asked to authorize the issuance of bonds in the sum of $2 million to bear 2% interest payable in 10 years. The bonds would be sold by popular subscription to be called the San Francisco Relief Bonds, secured by first mortgage on real estate of San Francisco. The proceeds from the sale of the bonds would be placed in the hands of a commission 
to loan to owners of San Francisco real estate, present mortgagees would take second mortgages, giving the government, which practically would guarantee the bond issue, first lien on the real estate. Uncle Sam Liberal gives another million to needy of San Francisco. Washington, April 21st. The House today passed a resolution appropriating $1 million in addition to the amount heretofore appropriated for the San Francisco sufferers. When the Senate met yesterday, Scott presented a resolution calling upon the Secretary of the Treasury to prepare for the Senate an estimate of the cost of replacing the ruined federal buildings in San Francisco, and it was adopted. The resolution suggests that the estimate should be for steel frames. A resolution presented by Morgan at the request of the Secretary of War, making the money appropriated by the resolution passed yesterday for the relief of the San Francisco sufferers, available for the purchase of medical supplies, as well as for subsistence and quartermaster's supplies, was also passed. THE COMMAND AT THE PARK PARK DISTRICT, PARK LODGE CAMP ORDER NUMBER ONE Pursuant to instructions from Brigadier General Frederick Funston, United States Army, commanding the Department of California, and Mayor Eugene E. Schmitz of San Francisco, the undersigned hereby assumes military command of the district included in the limits of Golden Gate Park. It will be known as the Park District, and headquarters are hereby established at the Park Lodge. Captain T. W. N. Draper, late United States Volunteers, is hereby detailed as Engineer Officer of the District. Captain A. E. Truby, Assistant Surgeon USA, is hereby detailed as Chief Sanitary Officer of the District. Captain P. J. Perkins, late U.S.V. Signal Corps, is hereby detailed as Military Surgeon. Signed, G. W. McIver. Major, 4th United States Infantry. Relief Work Progressing Oakland, April 21st Every fraternal organization in Oakland has established headquarters, and large provisions have been made to meet the urgent demands for help. All of the evangelical churches will suspend services tomorrow, the edifices having been converted into relief stations. Homeless in Jefferson Square, contented lot. All conditions, except sanitary, are as good as could be expected. Among the homeless hundreds now sheltered in Jefferson Square, conditions are as admirable as they could be under the circumstances, and many tents are in place. An effort has been made by the military and civil authorities to secure some kind of an accurate list of the dead in the neighborhood, so far they have been greatly handicapped in their work, through their inability to get reliable people to engage in the work. Among the homeless in the square are many little ones. Last night there was a shortage in the milk supply, but this condition was relieved at an early hour this morning by the arrival of many cans of the precious fluid. Early this morning there was great excitement among the refugees over the reported shooting of a looter in the square. Certainly a shot was fired, but by whom and at what neither the military nor civil authorities doing duty in the neighborhood have been able to ascertain. It is known, however, that no one of the inhabitants of the square was shot. 
the sanitary condition of the camp in the square is a matter that must be given immediate attention if the health of the homeless is to be preserved this matter is in the hands of the engineering corps of the army and no time will be lost in looking to the sanitation of the whole city but meanwhile there is great fear that sickness will wipe out the lives of many unfortunates who have been saved from earthquake and fire city board of health needs sanitary corps five hundred physicians are invited to volunteer for service as inspectors the board of health has issued a call for five hundred physicians to serve as sanitary inspectors already two hundred have reported four physicians have been detailed to investigate rumors concerning contagious diseases maternity houses will be established at nine central points the office of the board of health is established at laguna and grove streets soldiers have been detailed to have trenches dug for the deposit of rubbish at the different camps many plumbers needed board of health makes a call for skilled mechanics dr regensberger president of the state board of health wishes to make it known throughout california that plumbers are needed at once in san francisco they must bring their own tools their tools will be sufficient credentials to secure for them free transportation on any railroad they are requested to report at the headquarters of the state board of health at laguna and grove streets no more earthquakes declares a scientist repetition of tembler not likely in the opinion of professor larkins professor e l larkins a scientist of eminence who is now in charge of the mount low observatory has sent word to the relief committee that as a result of his investigations he feels justified in announcing that there is no danger that the recent seismic disturbances will be repeated professor larkins has made a special study of earthquake conditions and his opinion carries great weight caruso second best in a brief battle given terrific blow upon the eye by irate emigrant on ferryboat enrico caruso the world-famous tenor who was in san francisco with the metropolitan opera company at the time of the earthquake was one of the first persons to get across the bay to oakland it cost him dear however caruso is said to have expended seven hundred dollars in having his seven trunks carried from his hotel to the street and then carted to the ferry and taken across on the ferry boat caruso met with a second disaster he had a very bulky supply of hand baggage which he deposited at the foot of the rear stairway on the boat caruso his calmness regained stood by his baggage and from the rear of the departing boat gazed upon the scene of destruction lighted by the fires which had broken forth a few minutes before as caruso gazed a squad of emigrants less clean of face than himself and with baggage of various sorts deposited their belongings upon the valises of the famous tenor when caruso observed how his grips were hidden under besmeared carpet-bags he kicked the latter away with his foot instantly the owner of these parcels thus roughly treated smote caruso a terrific blow upon the right eye the singer drew up for battle but soon saw that he was hopelessly outnumbered and removed his own belongings to the other side of the boat washington soldiers coming portland april twenty first 
General Constant Williams, Commandant at Vancouver Barracks, Washington, last night sent ten companies to San Francisco with regular field equipment and ten days' rations. The detachment is composed of seven hundred men. Fuel Oil for Delivery The Associated Oil Company, through its general manager W. S. Porter, has announced that its oil tanks at 2nd and Berry Streets, Point Richmond and Alameda Point, are in condition to deliver fuel oil. Mr. Porter has issued an order to men in charge to deliver oil to all the shipping in the harbor, applying, therefore, from the Berry Street station he is delivering oil to the stations of the Spring Valley Water Company throughout the city, for pumping purposes, and is prepared to accommodate all comers in need of fuel oil, to the extent of the capacity of the tanks at that point, some ten thousand barrels. The company will not ask compensation at present. Monday and Tuesday Holidays Sacramento, April 21st Governor Pardee this afternoon issued the following proclamation declaring two more legal holidays. In the interests of the public welfare, I, George C. Pardee, Governor of the State of California, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of this State, do hereby appoint, designate, and declare, Monday, April 23, 1906, and Tuesday, April 24, 1906, as public legal holidays. Confiscate Automobiles The automobiles have rendered splendid service. Many of them have been confiscated by the military and civil authorities, and the drivers impressed into service. Working day and night since the hour of the earthquake, some of the operators have been without sleep or rest during the entire period, as a result, several of the chauffeurs last night fell in utter collapse in front of the headquarters. Volunteer Engineers Wanted Volunteer engineers for repair work are requested to report at the office of the Contra Costa Water Company, Oakland, or to the temporary headquarters, Filbert Street, near Bush. C. L. Corey, George L. Gilman, A. M. Hunt, Wynne Murdoch, and W. H. Allen railroads help no commercial freight is being sent to or received for san francisco the southern pacific is giving preference to the relief freight which is being delivered to the folsom street and fourth and kentucky street depots the local freight office in oakland and the new uptown general freight office will be in position monday to give more advice about the disposition of commercial freight on the road for san francisco and diversion orders will be received. San Rafael organizes. San Rafael, April 21st. Citizens have organized a general relief committee to aid refugees from San Francisco. A camp has been provided near Hotel Rafael. S. M. Augustine is chairman of the Finance Committee. Witnesses Human Misery. Los Angeles, April 21st. E. Call Brown, mining engineer and geologist of San Francisco, arrived in Los Angeles on the Owl today. From the windows of his room in the Argyle Hotel on McAllister Street, San Francisco, he had seen strange and horrible sights, and more distress through the hours which followed the awful catastrophe. 
he saw much of human misery and despair, and much of human devotion and courage. The most terrible thing I saw, said Mr. Brown, was the futile struggle of a policeman and others to rescue a man who was pinned down in burning wreckage. It was a race with the fire, and a losing race. The helpless man watched it in silence, till the fire began burning his feet. Red Cross Headquarters The California branch of the American Red Cross Society has established a headquarters at 2510 Washington Street. All trained nurses are requested to enroll by W. W. Morrow, President, and Mrs. J. F. Merrill, Vice-President of the Society. Mrs. Hugh McCrum has donated $5,000 to the Red Cross Association. Horace Davis and Captain Courier have requested that automobiles, carriages, drugs, and money be donated to the Association. They are in need of doctors also. CALIFORNIANS ON WAY HOME El Paso, Texas, April 21st. Members of the California Press Association, who have been making a tour in Mexico, arrived here on a special train from the city of Mexico today, and left at once over the Santa Fe for California. They expect to reach Oakland Monday afternoon. Since the disaster at San Francisco, excursionists have been unable to get any messages from home. WANTED Office desks at once. Corner store, 11th and Franklin Streets, Oakland. H. Schilhas. Temporary headquarters, George H. Fuller Desk Company, at Walter H. McKay and Company, 418-424-14th Street. Office furniture arriving now. Call distributed free to the people from automobile. Crowds rush frantically to secure paper wherever stops are made. Throughout all of San Francisco, wherever human habitations stand, a swift touring car flew yesterday morning carrying the call to thousands of eager, anxious people hungry for news of loved ones and further details of the disaster wrought by earthquake and fire. No charge was made for the papers. As from the first day after the Tembler, the call was distributed free, in keeping with the general scheme of succor that is bringing the stricken multitude into hope and cheer again. As fast as the automobile sped, it left in its wake groups of interested people devouring every line of its report of the day's events, the best published by any newspaper. Though several thousand papers were distributed, there were not enough of them to give each of the still many more thousands of persons one and they had to be passed from hand to hand. Sometimes one of a group would read aloud, and the others would stand close, devouring every line of the information imparted, every word of the graphic description of occurrences that the pages bore. The calls left Oakland, where they were published, at an early hour, but not so early that the masses of the people were not bestirring themselves. One of the fastest launches on the bay had been convoyed to take them to the San Francisco side. The little vessel sped its way across and skirted the stretch of tumbled docks and charred warehouses, landing at the foot of Hyde Street. There stood in waiting one of the swiftest touring cars in San Francisco, a car that had been wont to chug through happier scenes than the automobile's view today, 
as they fly frantically about on errands of assistance. Into this car the bundles of calls were delivered, and without delay the chauffeur started on the run to the portions of the city in which population was left, population densest in the public squares where not a house stood. All the streets in the western addition were covered by the flying auto. Stops were made at all the parks, including the queen of them all, Golden Gate, now giving shelter to the people stricken, as she had given joyful hours to the people happy. Fort Mason and the Presidio were visited, and out into the Richmond district the free calls were distributed. The scenes attendant upon the passing out of the calls were among the notable features of the week in San Francisco. Whenever the auto drew up to a crowd, there was a wild rush for it and a clamor for copies of the paper. The looting of a grocery could not have excited a madder rush. "'Free calls here!' shouted loudly as the machine dashed up to some chosen spot of distribution, was the signal for a descent of surging hundreds upon the auto, and the stretching out of hands toward the bundle of papers, which would have been swallowed up like oats in a hopper, had they not been held high, until the number to be left among the people at that particular spot had been handed out. It was explained to the eager throng at each place that everybody could not be given a paper, as there would not be enough to go around, but that those into whose hands they were placed were expected to pass them along until all had had a chance to get their contents. A glance back as the auto left the successive stopping places showed that each person who had been given a paper was surrounded as closely as the auto had been, everyone being determined to get a glance at the paper. In the common brotherhood that prevails among the people who are suffering, everyone did get to read a call. There was no other occupation that would keep the people from the call auto. Those preparing meals would leave their improvised stoves or bricks, running the chance of their morsel of food being burned. Whole lines of people that had stood patiently waiting for bread would be broken up at the shout of free calls, the ones hungry for bread being hungrier still for the complete news of the fire and its sequel, and of the people who were injured, missing, dead, or saved. The lists of names of those who had registered at the park, and of those who had been taken to hospitals, were scanned in the greediest manner. There were expressions of praise for the call, not only for its free delivery of the papers, but for the superior news it contained, giving the most complete information of the disaster. Wherever the auto dashed along, the people scrambled up the road to intercept it, and some ran after it for blocks. End of Section 7